0: Again, last week a four-part study of the religion of Islam. We repeat a few things I said last week, uh, in case you weren't here, and I want to make sure these are understood. Number one, I'm not an expert in the religion of Islam. Uh, I probably wouldn't claim to be an re- expert in the religion of Christianity, for that matter, uh, but definitely not the religion of Islam. Uh, I think I'm accurate with what I'll be talking about tonight and every night. I think I've found good sources. I've, there are bad sources. Uh, and I've found some of those, too, on, on both extremes, uh, but I think I've got some balanced good sources that I'm getting most of this material from. Uh, any religion has a number, of, at least two viewpoints on a lot of things. Uh, Christianity. You sit a couple of people down to talk about Christianity, and you'll have people say, well, Christianity teaches this, and another one will say, well, it teaches this. Uh, For instance, we're going to mention the treatment of women under Islam. Now, there's people that say Christianity is very oppressive to women, and there are others that say, no, it glorifies women. Uh, so, So you get different viewpoints in any religion, I think. Uh, But I do believe that there seems to be a larger uh, dichotomy, I guess, or difference when it comes to discussing Islam. You can hear very, way different uh, interpretations. And this verse means this, and no, here's one that means this. Uh, It just seems a wider difference. Uh, But we hear... That Islam is similar to Christianity, that we both worship the same God, that Jesus was a prophet, and Muhammad was a prophet. Uh, we hear those kind of things in the news and people on the talk shows and all that. So that's what we're working on in this. And I said this, this week, last week, this is not a scholarly course, so you can understand every different uh, version of Islam or every uh, group, or it's not a scholarly course. Neither is it a conversion guide. Uh, Say you work with a Muslim, don't expect to listen to these four lessons and then say, okay, I can go convert this guy. Uh, That's not what this is. The the theme, the series that we're on on Sunday nights is Understanding the Times. And we've picked, was the number 13, I think, Uh, we've picked 13 different topics so far that are moral problems or political problems or, or things that are going on in this world that sometimes we don't understand, or at least I don't understand. That's why I picked them. Uh, we look at them and say, how did we get to this situation? How did this happen in in this society, in this culture, and, and all of that? And we're trying to understand it because... First Chronicles 12.32 says that the men of Issachar understood the times and knew what Israel should do. Uh, not only don't we understand some of these things, we don't know what to do about them. So we've been working on that all year, and Islam is just one of those things that I don't understand. I struggle with it. Uh, I hear people, very reasonable people, say that it's a religion of peace. Uh, I look around our community, and it seems to be. Uh, I know Muslims. A lot of us have doctors who are Muslims, perhaps, and and work with them and go to school with them, and they're fine folks. So so how do we understand that? So that's what I'm trying to work on here. Uh, Last week we looked at the origin and some basic teachings of Islam. Uh, I was told that was a little bit heavy and a little bit too... uh, deep, uh, but I think you got to understand the history uh, before we can understand what we're seeing today. So tonight, uh, actually I titled this one wrong, I put on your handout, The Differences Between Islam and Christianity, that should say some of the differences. <laughs> I'm obviously not going to cover all the differences, uh, but there's a few of them, and I think if we understand them, uh, then we'll understand the times a little bit better. So let's just work through these pretty quickly. Uh, First one is the Bible and the Koran. We've got to understand how we think about things and how Muslims think about those two books. Uh, The Bible is a collection of writings by 40 men over 1,600 years, and it's got a central message. Now, there's all kinds of different Literature in there, there's poetry and there's history and there's uh, prophecy and all kinds of things, but you read the Bible, it's a pretty consistent message. We did that a couple of years ago. We read through uh, the chronological Bible and it was, I think, pretty understandable to everybody. We saw what God was trying to tell us in there. Uh, the Quran was written by one man over just a couple of decades. From the time Muhammad was about 40, he started giving uh, recitations or uh, the word that he had gotten from Gabriel, uh, directly from Allah, and he gave these oral uh, speeches and told his revelations over this period of 23 years. Now, In that period, he changed, and we'll talk about this more next week, but when he started, he was pretty pro-Jewish, if you want to put it that way. talked about the people of the book, the Jews and Christians are people of the book, and was pretty positive about them at the start. At the end, after the Jews had resisted him and his battles and the things he was doing up in Medina, and all that, he got much more negative about them. Okay? So you can look at a couple of verses in the Quran and see kind of a different viewpoint. Not kind of a different viewpoint, a different viewpoint. Now, saying what we believe is all you like, but we need to understand what Muslims believe, and from what I've read from my sources, they hold the Bible in some point of reference. Uh, In fact, I've got a, I'm not going to read you very much from the Koran, but I did bring one, and I'm going to read you just a few things from Surah number 4, verse 163. If I can find, I should have marked these better. Talks about the. They should have made their numbers bigger, too. (laughs) This version. Here we go. Okay. Now, bear in mind, this was directly from Allah to Gabriel to Muhammad, who spoke it, and people wrote it down and collected it later. But here's what he says about the revelations. He says, "We we have revealed our will, and in this Allah speaks, as we for some reason, we have revealed our will to you as we revealed it to Noah and to the prophets who came after him, as we revealed it to Abraham, Ishmael, Isaac, Jacob, and the tribes, to Jesus, Job, Jonah, Aaron, Solomon, and David, to whom we gave the Psalms, of some apostles, we have already told you uh, how Allah spoke directly to Moses, but there are others whom we have not yet spoken, apostles who brought good news to mankind and admonished them so that they might have no plea against Allah after their coming. Allah is mighty and wise. Okay, in that, the, the, the book, the Old Testament New Testament are spoken of in a very high regard. They're, they're revelations from God. Okay. So what do we do with the discrepancies and all that? Well, Muslims believe Christians and Jews have corrupted everything. God gave it to them right, but we've messed it up. They've all been confused. They've all been perverted. They haven't been translated right. Yeah. The Quran has been kept perfect in Arabic. All translations are wrong, but in Arabic it's right. Okay. And they think of the Quran, they treat it with. A much higher respect than we treat the Bible, physically and mentally. Uh, and now we respect the Bible, we think it's the Word of God and all that, but we don't worship it. You know, we, we shouldn't worship it, so I think some people probably do, uh, but we don't. Uh, but the Quran is handled very specifically, very uh, uh, sanctified way, and it is thought of as the pure word of Allah. In fact, I read one scholar, a Muslim scholar, that said it's not a book in the ordinary sense. And it's not, you can't even come close to comparing it to the Old Testament or the New Testament. They said if you're going to compare it to anything in Christianity, you've got to compare it to Christ. Because it is the word of God. And that's one thing that Jesus is called, the Logos, the the Word. In the beginning was the Word, the pure thought of Jehovah in one sense. Okay? So when we see things in the news about somebody dishonored the Koran, we think, why do they get so excited about that? Well, there's a reason. It's how they think about it. Um, Okay, second one. In Christianity, we're told the goal is to know God and to be more like him. That's what Paul said. Paul said, I'll give up anything for the joy of knowing Christ. I want to suffer like him even, but I want to know him, and I want to be more like him, and I want to get where it's not me that lives, it's him that lives. That's the the Christian thought process there. Uh, Muslims don't think about Allah that way, I don't think. Uh, Allah is to be uh, obeyed. You are to do his will. You are to do the things we talked about last week, the five pillars of Islam, and he is to be obeyed. It's not a relationship like we have in Christianity, I don't think third one uh, in Christianity God reveals himself as a father as a shepherd as things like that and us as sons and his sheep and you know, he has that relationship with us he wants that relationship with us uh, the Quran portrays Muslims as servants more and I know it talks about us being slaves to Christ and all of that too but if you read the whole thing in and I haven't read the whole Quran by any means, uh, but from what I've read, the teachings are. I think there's a difference there in how Christians and Islam think about our relationship to God. Uh, next one's a biggie, Jesus. And uh, Doug mentioned this in the song service. Uh, to Christians, Jesus is God. John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and he was with God, and then he became flesh and dwelt among us. He's God incarnate. Uh, he was our perfect high priest. He our substitutionary sacrifice. That's who he was. He God. He came down here to die for us. And we know the whole doctrine of, of salvation and how that all worked, and we've discussed it in detail. That's how we think about it to Islam, Jesus is just a prophet. Good man, good prophet, 24th one out of 25, uh, but just a prophet. But it's more than that. Uh, Islam teaches that Jesus was not crucified. The whole That's something we've messed up. It was a lie of the Jews, actually, and Let's see if I can find that one. I think I get it marked a little better, maybe. Not much, obviously. There it is. Okay. Uh, This is from Surah 4, verse 156. They denied the truth, that's the Jews, and uttered a monstrous falsehood against Mary. They declared, we have put to death the Messiah, Jesus, the Son of Mary, the Apostle of Allah, They did not kill him, nor did they crucify him, but they thought they did. Those that disagreed about him were in doubt concerning his death, for what they knew about it was sheer conjecture. They were not sure that they had slain him. Allah lifted him up to his presence. He is mighty and wise. So what the Quran teaches is, that it was an optical illusion or a confusion that God did to make people think that Jesus died. But he really didn't die. He was taken directly to heaven. Okay, And then it goes on to say, on the day of resurrection, he will be a witness against them. So they have this kind of a strange doctrine about Jesus that uplifts him in a lot of ways. I mean, if you think about that... If God took Jesus to heaven, but Muhammad died, you might think, well, 24 sounds a little better than 25 to me. But in their theology, that's not the way it works. It was some kind of a hoax, and Jesus wasn't who he said he was. Uh, So how they look at Jesus, how we look at Jesus, who we believe he was, is way different in Christianity and Islam. And another huge difference is the Trinity. Uh, We teach that there is one God. We say we're monotheistic, but there's three personalities or persons or uh, centers of consciousness or whatever we want to call it, three beings that are divine. They're, They're all one, perfectly one, and we really can't understand it because we're physical, but there are three divine beings who are perfectly one, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That does not compute to the Islamic mind. And for that matter, it doesn't compute to a lot of uh, religious folk, even Christianity. That's why there's Unitarianism and stuff. But to Islam, to, to Muslims, that's heresy. That's crazy to think that there could be three gods. And in fact, looking from outside at our culture, they think we have other gods. They think we worship Mary, Christians worship Mary, and Christians worship all kinds of other people. So that's really confusing to them, is how they could think that there's three gods when there is only one God, Allah. And remember from last week, that's what Muhammad started with. He started from a very idolatrous society with huge numbers of gods, and he said, no, we've got to go back to where there's just one God. That's the right way to worship. So uh, the Trinity is a huge confusion and difference. Uh, Christianity, we teach that you can't do anything to save yourself, uh, but that's what Christ is for. He's our sacrifice. He's the one that saves us. Uh, there is nothing that we can do that we can boast of. Uh, in Islam, there is no savior like that. It is what you do. We talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, the good works that you do, if they outweigh the evil, will bring you salvation. And that's what the Quran said. Is the end, they'll be weighed. Uh, there are certain things that overrule that, like martyrdom. Uh, that guarantees salvation. And I won't read you the, the verses from the Quran, but uh, when you're in what. I'll go ahead and talk about this. We'll, we'll talk about this more next week, but when you think that the Koran was written by one man in 23 years in the 600s, what he was doing was trying to expand his empire and trying to get people to go to war for him. Well, it would probably be helpful to have a revelation that said if you go to war and die in war, you go to paradise. Uh, and that's what the verses say is your sins will be forgiven you'll go directly to paradise uh, if you are if you die fighting for allah okay uh, status of women christianity and i understand that some feminists would argue with me on this but uh, i would say that throughout history if you look at society uh, what happens before and after Christianity is accepted, uh, that women are elevated under Christianity. Their status in society and in, in every sense improves. They're, they're treated better. The way the Bible talks about marriage. Uh, it's like the church being the bride of Christ and men are supposed to love their wives like Christ loves the church and Uh, all of that that we've talked about many times. Husband is to love his wife as himself. Uh, You can find some verses in the Quran that talk about women being treated justly and all that, but you can also find a lot that subjugate women. Uh, Muhammad himself had a number of wives, and he wrote about how to treat them, and uh, we're going to talk about this next week too. Bear in mind, this was written... To a tribal society uh, in the 600s, Uh, it doesn't apply very well to all time like the Bible does. But let me just read you a few things from uh, the Quran to to 223 here. Women are your fields. Go then into your fields as you please. Uh feminists might interpret that really poorly. They, they might not like that very well. Uh, but that's what Muhammad taught. Uh, a couple more here famous ones. Over in Surah 4, verse 3. You may marry other women who seem good to you two three or four of them but if you fear that you cannot maintain equality among them marry only one or any slave girls you may own okay so the quran authorizes four wives up to four wives if you can treat them justly if you can maintain four households and take care of everybody fine that's okay if not you ought to have fewer uh 34, where's 34? Okay. Uh, Men have authority over women because Allah has made the one superior to the other and because they spend their wealth to maintain them. Good women are obedient. They guard their unseen parts because Allah has guarded them. As for those from whom you fear disobedience... Admonish them, and send them to beds apart, and beat them. Then, if they obey you, take no further action against them. Allah is High, Supreme. Okay. So there's a few verses from the Quran that say, "Here's how you treat women. If there's a disobedient one, you send her to bed separate, you beat them, et cetera." Now, I started this out by saying there's two viewpoints on everything. And I've heard or read uh, interpretations of that where some scholar says, no, the word for beat there doesn't really mean beat. And that's where in Arabic it's right, in English it's wrong, it's messed up. And he says a better translation of that is to tap them on the wrist with a twig. A better interpretation of that. But... The exact same Arabic word is elsewhere where it talks about beating animals. So you, know, you can argue that all day, I guess, but that's the, what the Quran says about treatment of women. All right, government is a difference between Christianity and Islam. Uh, Christianity, read the New Testament, doesn't talk much about government. It says we're supposed to obey it, we're supposed to submit to it. It's ordained by God, and that's about all it says. Uh, it's seen as something separate from Christianity. Uh, not that we've got to keep it separate like we argue in this country today, but uh, you live your Christian life and all that, and you do what the government tells you, you know, unless they contradict what God says. But in Islam, it's much more, in fact, it's a lot closer to the Old Testament theocracy where religious and social life and legal life and political life was all wrapped up into one. Okay. Big difference. And that's what happens in Muslim countries. Is that That's what's happening now in Egypt. They're fighting over that. Uh, the newly elected president of Egypt said, I'm going to run things and the courts can't tell me what to do for a while until we get a new constitution written and everything. And the courts who were set up under more of a democratic, separate government kind of thing said, hold it, you can't do that. Well, that's what the battle's over. Uh, Last one I put down here is conversion method. If you read the New Testament, it talks about teaching people about Jesus. It tells us about missionaries like Paul. But as far as advice for specific Christians on how to influence people around them, Uh, It does say we should go and teach, or actually it says we should teach as we go in our daily life. Uh, But the basic method, I would say, that the New Testament points out is to live a good life and be ready to give an answer when somebody notices that you're different than most people and teach them with love, persuade them, uh, warn them about the judgment to come, uh, those are all mentioned in the New Testament, uh, but that's pretty much how you convert people: is you you go, you teach, you live a good life, you you gain the respect of outsiders. That's what you ought to be about. Uh, Islam has a much more uh, bellicose way of uh, conversion. The Quran teaches that forced conversion. ...of infidels is what their goal is. Well, forced isn't the the goal. Conversion of all infidels to Islam to submit to Allah is their goal. And you can do that by force. And Muhammad taught as his people moved into new areas... ...that the people of the book, Christians and Jews, were to be honored above others... ...and they didn't want to convert to Islam they could pay a tax. Or if people didn't want to convert to Islam, you could kill them with the sword. Uh, That's the way Islam has spread. And we talked about that last week in detail. And I'm not saying that they don't spread by conversion and teaching and all that too. Uh, They do. But uh, the Quran authorizes that kind of uh, warrior mentality, shall we say. All right, so those are some differences. Uh, the biggest difference probably, and we'll get into this more next week, uh, the biggest difference I think is what I'd call the fruit, the results. Uh, you look at uh, Christianity and you look how it operates and how Christians operate. Uh, are there some radical, hateful Christians? Yeah. But there's so few that it's it's hard to point one out. Uh, The guy that killed Dr. Tiller here a few years ago. uh, Yeah, he had a fish sign on his car bumper. He claimed to be a Christian. He thought that was his calling, was to eliminate this murderer. Okay? But when he did that, think about what happened. Okay? I know he did that on a Sunday, and the the next Sunday uh, he was condemned from this pulpit. Uh, That's not how Christians do things. And I imagine he was condemned in almost every other Christian pulpit in the country and around the world. Christians, not in general, but overwhelmingly, 99.99999% said, no, that's not right. Uh, there's very few radical, hateful people willing to kill for their religion and Christianity. And for some reason, which we'll try to understand a little bit next week, uh, even though you can argue what the Quran authorizes and what it doesn't and all that, the, the fruit, the result is devastatingly different. Okay, so we'll try to figure that out next week. And I and I know people point to Christianity and say, "Well, the, the Crusades—that's the favorite." Is point out the Crusades and say, "Yeah, that's that's our Christianity act." And that was <laughs> that was a huge mixture of politics and, and Christianity, if you want to call it that. Uh, and it was in uh, response to Muslim takeover of Christian territories by the sword, uh, but. That wasn't Christianity. That was a political, uh, national kind of thing that was going on. And in general, you, from time of Paul till now, you look at how Christians behave and how they act and to their uh, enemies and to those they want to convert, and everything. Of the fruit, the results are hugely different. And we'll try to work on that some next week. All right. The lesson is yours tonight. Thank you for your attention. If you're here this evening and need to respond to the Lord's invitation, we've talked a little bit about salvation in Christ and how that works, and if you want to trust in Him and have the peace of that salvation, we invite you to come to the front. Let's stand and sing.